And then he says that Salat is the place, it's a special meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What I want us to do today is that I want us to really try to understand this so that we can improve our Salat. Salat is one of the greatest worships. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us do it five times a day. But for many of us, Salat is just a series of different postures, different things that you must learn and memorize, different tasbihs and takbirs and salawat on the Prophet and parts of the Quran that we read. And then we down, bow down in a particular way and we prostrate in a particular way and we sit in a particular way and we do a certain number of them and at a certain time. Yeah, that's definitely there. That is something that can be easily mastered. It's not complex. But then that's not why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to do them five times a day. Five times a day. Fasting gives us once a year. Hajj, once in a lifetime, is obligatory. Zakat, as in when you have cash, when you have money uh, to, to pay for it and uh, to be due on you. But salat, whatever you want, wherever you are, five times a day, whether you're sick or ill, five times a day you have to pray. It must be something in there. There must be something very, very big in there, very significant, very profound that we must do it five times a day. Let's think of it that way. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd. Dear friends, now we continue uh, with our series on Ibn Atta'illah's Al-Hikam, the Book of Wisdoms. The discussion here, it's on page 111 for those who have the book. And it's wisdom number 119 and 120. So Ibn Atta'illah, rahimahullah, he says, As-salatu tuhratun lil-qulubi min adnasi dhunub As-salatu tuhratun lil-qulubi min adnasi dhunub واستفتاح لباب الغيوب الصلاة محل المناجات ومعدن المصافات تتسع فيها ميادي تتسع فيها ميادين الأسرار وتشرق فيها شوارق الأنوار um, This is a really really just to give you a quick explanation of it this is something which we do every day and inshallah, after listening to this, it should add a whole new dimension to the way we think about it and approach this worship that we do every day. There's some aspects of it are very simple and uh, you'll understand it very intuitively, very easily. And then he does go into some more complex ideas. So just bear with the author. This is what he says. He says, ritual prayer, salat. Salat is a purification for hearts. Salat is a purification. Uh, salat is a purification for hearts. And an opening up of the door of the invisible domains. What, the, what are these invisible domains? Have you been there in our Salat? Have we been there to the invisible domains? Because Salat is supposed to be a gateway to that. Then he says, the Salat ritual prayer is the place of intimate discourse. 
in our salat have we had a discourse with someone? Have we conversed with anybody? And then he says, and it is a mine of reciprocal acts of purity. Now this is where it gets a bit more complex. Wherein the domain of the innermost being are expanded and the rising gleams of lights ray out. So it looks like it's a step-by-step -step approach. Salat is a, first he says Salat is a purification of the hearts from the impurities of sin, from the impurities of arrogance, from the impurities of pride and false confidence and, and so on. And he says it, it's also the door of, to get into the invisible domains, things that you generally cannot see or know. Salat is what opens up those realities to us. And then he says that Salat is the place, it's a special meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Salat is when you meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he carries on with some other discussion. What I want us to do today is that I want us to really try to understand this so that we can improve our Salat. Salat is one of the greatest worships. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us do it five times a day. But for many of us, salat is just a series of different postures, different things that you must learn and memorize, different tasbihs and takbirs and salawat on the Prophet sallallahu and parts of the Quran that we read. And then we down, bow down in a particular way and we prostrate in a particular way and we sit in a particular way and we do a certain number of them and at a certain time. Yeah, that's definitely there. That is something that can be easily mastered. It's not complex. But then that's not why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to do them five times a day. Five times a day. Fasting gives us once a year. Hajj once in a lifetime is obligatory. Zakat as and when you have cash, when you have money uh, to, to pay for it and uh, to be due on you. But salat, whatever you want, wherever you are, five times a day, whether you're sick or ill, Five times a day you have to pray. It must be something in there. There must be something very, very big in there, very significant, very profound that we must do it five times a day. Let's think of it that way. Uh, many of us who've grown up praying Salat from a young age, it's become a habit. And in men, as in many things of this life, we sometimes lose the significance of things. <coughs> We don't understand the value and significance of them. For some people who have family, they don't understand the significance of having a family. But ask those who don't have it. If people with families understood the significance of families, then they'd be just happier families. In anything, when you understand the significance of it, and the benefit of it, and additional benefits of it, it's like we're really not unlocking the full potential of Salat. I think that's what it is. We're getting some aspect of turning to Allah and anybody who prays five times a day at least he's showing Allah that I'm willing to at least move away and escape from everything else that's trying to anchor me to the ground and to this world I'm turning away from that and I'm going to remember you, I'm going to say Allahu Akbar Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, Subhana Rabbi al there is a benefit in that but there's a lot more benefit there's endless benefit, there's infinite benefit and we're not unlocking that because maybe somebody didn't even tell us It's like you're playing a game And you do the normal speed you get from point A to B And you, you, know, you finish the level and you go to another level 
And then suddenly one day you're playing with a friend and the friend says, watching you play, because you played first, he's watching you play. And, or he played first, and you're seeing that he's going to all of these places within that same round, and he's getting a lot more points. Hey, I didn't even know this existed. I was ignoring that door. I didn't even know that existed. Can you see how the next time you play now, you've suddenly enhanced your playing and now when your brothers or sisters or whoever you generally play with who nobody knew that those other places existed to get those bonus points, you're like, oh wow, mashallah. So I think Salat is, has a huge amount of potential. I don't think the majority of people, I don't think, tap into that potential. Because it becomes very ritualistic and very normative so that we don't focus on it each time because we have those who pray five times a day, they've put it into their daily focus. They still benefit in it, but you're just not getting the additional benefit. So he's here to tell us about this. What exactly does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from this? How, what, what are the secrets of this prayer? What other great things have been kept in there? So this is what he says. He says, the first thing was, الصَّلَاةُ تُهْرَةٌ لِلْقُلُوبُ وَمَطْهَرَةٌ لِلْقُلُوبُ مِنْ أَدْنَاسِ الذُّنُوبِ Which basically means ritual prayer is a purification from the hearts, from the impurities of sins. That's the first thing. How does salat purify your sins? We're doing salat, we're not even doing istighfar in our prayer. There's no istighfar in the prayer, is there? Or is there? The last dua. The last du'a is where we seek forgiveness. Oh Allah, I've oppressed myself. Allahumma inni zalamtu nafsi thulman kathira. Major oppression. And nobody can forgive sins except you. So, forgive me. So, um, right at the end we do that. But salat itself, because that du'a is just one du'a. There's people who don't read that du'a, they read another du'a. What du'as, what, is there another du'a any of you read? رَبِّ جَعَلْنِي مُقِيمَ الصَّلَاةِ وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي رَبَّنَا وَتَقَبَّلْ دُعَى رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةً وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ So there's a few that are mentioned in the sunnah. You can read any of them. Or you can read all of them if you want to. So istighfar doesn't... But the whole point of prayer is a form of um, purification. That's what it really is. It's a for, and istighfar is a purification. It purifies you somehow. How does it purify you? That's why he's saying that the prayer is a purification of the hearts from many, many different types of spiritual illnesses, many type of blameworthy traits, many type of wrong ways of thinking, wrong attitudes, wrong characteristics of the heart, and various defects. Salat gets rid of that if it's done properly, and you know how to unlock that potential. It gets rid of those defects. Why does it get rid of defects? Because of the nature of the prayer. لِمَا فِيهَا مِنَ الْخُدُوءِ وَالْإِنْكِسَارِ وَالذُّلِّ وَالْإِفْتِقَارِ وَالتَّذَلُّلِ وَالْإِتْتِرَارِ That's what salat is at the end of the day. You know when you have to just leave everything, abandon everything, purify yourself, stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What are you doing? In there is your humbly entreating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's your humility. You're breaking down in front of Allah. You're showing our lowly status, our needy status, our lowly status. All of this is in prayer. And whenever a person does that, that is of huge benefit. 
Because when a person shows that they're lowly, one of the biggest problems in the world is what they're dealing with then. One of the biggest problems in this world is the confidence that I am independent and I don't need Allah. So when we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we show that we're in need, then we are freeing ourselves from one of the biggest calamities. Shaitan was very arrogant. We are taking away arrogance from ourselves. We're also expressing our need that, Ya Allah, we are in need of you. That's why we, you know, if you don't need a job, why are you going to bother going to work at 8 o'clock in the morning? I say, I'm not coming tomorrow. I don't need it. I've won a jackpot. I don't need it anymore. The reason you have to go and slave away is because you need something. You have to at least go and sign in. Even if you mess around at work, you have to sign in at work. So, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're showing that we're not just signing in. If you do it properly, many of us sign in. And then we do a prayer and then we leave. But this is where we actually do a proper act. So that's why he says, If the heart can become humbled in front of the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his awe, in front of the awe of Allah's majesty, then it can be purified by everything. Salat is a therapy, that means. If you do salat properly, you will develop humility. Anybody who does salat properly cannot have arrogance. They just can't have arrogance because they're so in awe of Allah's greatness that they can't think themselves great. It just makes them smaller. It makes them smaller in their sight because they can only see the greatness of Allah. They can't see their own greatness even if they are great in some sense. He says the reason is that when you're looking for highness and ascendancy and lots of knowledge and everything, that can become a problem for you because all of that is supposed to elevate you so it can cause you to think you're too big. You're too great. You don't need anybody. You don't need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is the nafs loves to feel dominant, better than others, superior than others. Why, why does the nafs and the ruh want to feel like that? Because we've come from paradise, that's why. Adam was in paradise. And paradise is a place of loftiness. So that's why that part of us wants us to always be high in the wrong way, right or wrong way. If you can have it in the right way, alhamdulillah. But if you don't, then you want to have it in the wrong way. That's why the nafs is never going to be happy unless it's honored. The nafs, everybody likes to be honored, right? Who likes to be put down? Nobody. They like to be honored. Even the criminals like to be honored in their criminality. Even the people who do nasty things, they want to be honored as nasty people. Right? They do worse things. Because they see honor in the, in the wrong thing. So they go and do worse things online to try to show themselves to be even worse. I'm the baddest person. You know? It's just this human trait that we all have. So that's why when, Allah, when we put ourselves into the salat posture with the heart properly, what that does is that that forces us to succumb to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and show ourselves to be in need of Allah. What else are you standing in front of Allah for? Why have you ignored everything else you could be doing and turned to Allah? What's the point? 
And that is where, so the salat then becomes a door to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Salat then becomes the door because it forces you into this particular position that is required to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the nafs would want to get to its status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through humility. That's why uh, Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jilani, rahimahullah, he says that I was trying to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I went to every door to try to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether that be the door of shukr, the door of sabr, the door of uh, humility and so on. And he said that I found every door to be very, very busy. Huge queues and lots of people trying to get in from the different doors. And then finally I found the door. He says, فَوَجَدْتُ عَلَيْهَا إِزْدِحَامًا فَأَتَيْتُ بَابَ الذُّلِّ وَالْإِنْكِسَارِ فَوَجَدْتُهُ خَالِيًا I finally found the door of humility. Because you see, all of these different things that we're told to do gets us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do sabr and that gets you closer to Allah. You have a good time, you have a good meal, you have a new child, you have a, mashallah, get a new jacket and you thank Allah, that gets you closer even though you're enjoying yourself. All of these things are doors to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have trouble and you bear that musibat, you bear that difficulty, that gets you closer to Allah subhanahu All of these are doors. But he says that the least busy door was the one of humility. Let me just humble myself and recognize that I'm just a servant of Allah and Allah is my Lord and I'm nothing without Him. He said, I found that door empty. So I entered from there and then I started telling everybody, Halummu ila Rabbikum, come to your Lord, this door, there's no, not many people here. There's not many people trying to come in from this gate. So when a person then humbles themselves in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the proper way, recognizing that Allah is my Lord, the nafs will be allowed to go up and have that glorified place that it is used to and that it wants, but in the right way now, through humility, as opposed to through false arrogance or superiority complex, thinking yourself better than other people. I, I think sometimes, you know, about the various different qualities Allah gives. Or sometimes, there's some people, they go and they're arrogant to others because they live in London. Because they live in the West. Right? So people from other world countries, they'll, they'll think they're superior to them. There's many things that shaitan makes us do. There's some people who think they're superior to others because they have a fairer complexion than others. Because they're more handsome than others. Because they have more money than others. Because they're from a particular tribe or a particular country or a particular part of a country or a particular village. So they genuinely feel they're superior. They've got nothing. They've not contributed to any of this. Like where they were born. They've not contributed to that. And they feel they're superior. And I think about that and I think, subhanAllah, I'm thankful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed us where He has. I'm thankful for that. But I can't use that for arrogance, subhanAllah. That's just totally useless. That means our salat isn't right if we're thinking this way. Because our salat would help us to really understand that we're actually nothing without Allah. And thanks to Allah that He's placed us where He is. And we get the food that we eat and the 
clothing that we want to wear and the security alhamdulillah that we enjoy how can you show off with something that you had no input in you're not even allowed to show off with something you had input and you're showing off because you're so and so's child or you come from a particular tribe or a background or an ethnicity or a particular village or a particular city or town or subhanallah or you got a particular surname it's just ridiculous If anything, it's just thanks Allah if it's a good one and move on and do something for the world, you know, like do something for others. That's when it'll become good without you even saying it. So he says that if a person's if a person becomes humble and breaks themselves down in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they can go back to their origin into that elevated state with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they've reached. However, if they try to be arrogant and to be boastful and proud. They're going, to be, they're going to be veiled and shunned and stopped and then rejected. And then they're going to become far from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ba'udat. Wa kullama ba'udat anil hadratil rabbaniya. Istahkamat fiha shahwat al jismaniya. The problem with becoming far and distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of arrogance is that the body then begins to enjoy too many lustful things, the wrong things, the haram things. That's what happens. When a person gets far from Allah, that's when they start enjoying this stuff too much. And the enjoyment becomes so much they don't want to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again. وَالْأَخْلَاقُ الشَّيْطَانِيَّةِ Shaytani akhlaq overcomes them. تَصَفَتْ حِينَ إِذِنْ بِكُلِّ خُلُقٍ دَنِيٍ وَبَعُدَتْ مِنْ كُلِّ خُلُقٍ سَنِيٍ After that, a person just becomes known and characterized by bad character traits. And has no, it's too far away from good character traits. However, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to, uh, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills that somebody's gonna, Allah wants to have mercy on somebody essentially. If Allah wants to have mercy on somebody with closeness to, his, uh, to him and to allow him to come to his door and enter, Alhamaha as salat. This is the interesting part. May Allah grant us this, seriously. May Allah grant us this. He says that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants somebody to come close and to stand by his door, then he inspires him to do salat in the proper way. He inspires him to do salat in the proper way. He makes it, it makes it beloved to him. When something beloved to you and you enjoy playing it, you enjoy doing it, you enjoy eating it, then you want to spend more time in doing it. So that will happen with salat. When does Salat for children, for example, become as enjoyable as playing Fortnite? Allahu Akbar. When does Salat become enjoyable as taking a fast drive? You know, the only thing that's stopping me are the road limit, time, the, the, the speed limits. Otherwise, you know, that's the only thing that's stopping you. Otherwise, that's what you'd be doing. When can our Salat become like that? Why is it so difficult? Ya Allah, Allah, give it to us. So then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes all of this beloved to him until, and what the salat, how does the salat function? Allah, the salat then goes back to the beginning, that the salat will then help him to remove all of his blameworthy traits and ideas. And all of his defects will then slowly, slowly be removed. And 
that's only when that happens can you get close to the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And only then can you actually start having a discourse with Allah. Allah doesn't allow everybody to speak to Him. You can try speaking to Him, but He won't listen. Unless you do it in the right way. Because Allah is pure and He lacks purity. So when a person does that, Allah allows him to now get his prayer to be done properly. Thus his wrong doings and wrong character will be removed. And then Allah will allow him to enter. And Allah will allow him to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the next point he makes is وَاسْتِفْتَاهٌ لِبَابِ الْغُيُوبِ Allah subhanahu this is, he says, and it is an opening up the, of the door of the invisible domains. What does that mean now? <coughs> Inshallah, the way he explains it, it will be very easy to understand. Why does Salat become the door of opening up to get close to Allah and the realms of the unseen is because it's a source of purification of both the outside and the inside. Um, you know that you know, if you want to become fit, you have to do two things. A lot of people just focus on physical fitness. So there's the physical fitness where you have to, with your body, you run and uh, do various different exercises. But the other one is to become mentally fit, which is to do certain mental exercises, certain special men that, that are beyond the physical. It's like getting your focus right, right, which they tell you. We're supposed to actually do both. Right? So... Muhammad ibn Ali al-Tirmidhi This is the great Hakim al-Tirmidhi who's buried in Tirmid as well on the border of uh, Uzbekistan and Afghanistan in Uzbekistan near Imam Abu Isa al-Tirmidhi al-Muhaddith So he was a great um, spiritual scholar I've been to, I've visited his grave as well He says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invites all the people of oneness all the people of uh, Tawheed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invites them for the prayer, for the five daily prayers as a source of mercy the prayers are a source of mercy, they're not supposed to be a burden right? what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done in the prayer is that he's prepared for them a number of different hospitalities so that, Allah, uh, so that in the prayer the whole thing is a procedure is a regimen in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides them both physical and verbal methods of uh, of uh, attaining gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So he says the actions in the prayer They like food And the, ver the, the things that you say in prayer The tasbihat and the Quran tilawah etc They like the drink Essentially the prayer is supposed to be The throne of the people of Tawheed That's supposed to be the highest place you can get to To get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then prepares this for his servants five times a day to give them the mercy. So that by the end of it, they should have no impurities left. If they do this properly, they have no impurities left. A person can go to the shower quickly and just run them in the shower, but doesn't scrub themselves, doesn't do it properly. He's going to come out, you know, maybe spreading more dirt on his body. In the salah that won't happen, inshallah. But... So he's saying that when the apparent body becomes uh, purified uh, by the uh, perceptible things that you see in Salat, the, the things you say and the thing you move, all of that helps to purify the outside of the body. 
Likewise, the stuff, the, the, the formulas that you're reading in the prayer, the tasbihad, they're all of the highest level. Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, At-Tahiyyatu Lillahi wa Salawat, the Surah Al-Fatiha. These are some of the most profound statements you can make. All of those, what they do is they purify the inside of the person, the spiritual side of the person. So the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give you is closeness to his door. Okay, you can get close to the door. That's why then he says, As-salatu mahallul munajat. Salat is a, prayer of, is a place of intimate discourse. That's when you, that's, how do you speak to Allah? You say, I've never spoken to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now this is really, really profound. He says that, now listen to this, he says, فَمُنَاجَاتُ الْعَبْدِ رَبَّهُ بِالتِّلَاوَةِ وَالْأَذْكَارِ وَمُنَاجَاتُ الْرَبِّ لِعَبْدِهِ بِالتَّفَهُّمِ وَالْفَتْحِ وَرَفْءِ الْأَسْدَارِ how does this discourse with Allah take place? The servant, his discourse, meaning his uh, discussion, is through the tilawah of the Qur'an that he does. And through the adhkar that he does in prayer. Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, Subhana Rabbi Al-Ala, etc. Sami'a Allah, Huliman Hamida. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds. How does Allah respond? By understanding him. By understanding him. And opening up the veils to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Opening up, the, removing the veils. So for example, in a sahih hadith it says, Al-Musalli yunaji rabbahu. The one who's praying, the one who's performing prayer, he's discoursing with Allah. He's discussing with Allah. Right? There's another hadith which many of you must have heard. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qasamtu salata bayni wa bayna abdi wa li abdi ma sa'al. I've... Divided the prayer between myself and my servant. The prayer, that we, what we do in prayer, part of it is, is something he does and there's a reciprocation that I do. Whenever we do prayer, there's a response from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then for my servant is whatever he asks me. If he does this properly, my servant will get whatever he asks me. So, then he says, فَإِذَا قَالَ الْعَبْدُ When a servant says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hamidani abdi. Allah is actually responding to every single one of us. There's thousands of people praying at once. But Allah is responding to everybody when they say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praises to Allah, Lord of the worlds. Allah is responding and saying, Oh, my servant has praised me. Then when we say, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Majjadani abdi. My servant has glorified me. Then when he says, Maliki Yawmiddin, Allah says, My servant has consigned his matters to me. My servants have left their matters to me to deal with. Then when my servant says, Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in, only you do we worship and only you do we seek assistance from, Allah says, Okay, now this is between me and my, this is the personal thing between me and my servant. Because initially we were praising Allah. We didn't do anything for ourselves, did we? We just said, Allah is greatest. It's just an acknowledgement. It's a statement of fact. But when we say, only you do your worship, we've made it personal, haven't we? Allah is the greatest, sovereign of the day of judgment, and so on. And then we're saying, so only you do we worship. We're actually now turning to it. We're not even saying it in the third person anymore, that oh, Allah is, all praises to Allah in the third person. We actually made it second person. It's like, it became so close. 
and so real that we started saying, only you, Allah, do we worship. And only you do we seek assistance from. So that's why Allah says, okay, that's between me and him now. Nobody else needs to know about that. That's between me and my servant. Ya Allah, we've got it. You know, we've got to Allah. Then when we say, إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Which is the dua to the end. Guide us to the straight path. Allah says, هَذِهِ لِعَبْدِي وَلِعَبْدِي مَا سَأَلْ This is for my servant. And for my servant is whatever he asks for now. So a person five times a day, every day, starts to talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is respond to him, responding to him in every prayer. And he's responding to us. Then Allah gets used to us. We're regular now. Right? Our heart is present. We're regular. Until Until the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will now establish itself in the heart. And now we will get constant attention from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When that happens, that's when the mahabba and the love gets pure. See, you meet somebody, whether that happens with a spouse as well. Right? It takes a while for the proper love to become established. There's a number of things that you have to overcome to gain that full trust. There's one guy who just got married recently, and his question was, after 20 years of marriage, does the, does the love increase? Or does it kind of get um, stale or worn out? I guess that was his question. My response was that it just gets better. It, there's nothing about increase. It just gets purer, I think. Love just gets purer the longer you stay with somebody and that you trust somebody. It gets purer. Because love is supposed to make you one. Make you very close together. May Allah grant us that kind of love for him. So he says the love becomes very, very pure. And he says, Now a person will reach his beloved in the purest of places. So then he carries on, but we will inshallah continue this next time. So to conclude, essentially saying that we need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to let us be close so that in our salat we start enjoying our salat because it becomes that discourse with Allah. When we're praying salat and we're saying Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, one lesson to take away from here is that when we say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, know that Allah is saying, my Lord, has, my, my slave, my servant has praised me. Allah is responding personally to each one of us. Just because hundreds of people are praying and other people are praying and our prayer we think is deficient. That doesn't mean that Allah is not responding to us. Allah responds because Allah is, acknowledges every little good which is done. I think He just wants us to recognize that. Because that's what we're here for, to recognize Allah. He just wants us to recognize that we are here and we've recognized Allah. So when we say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, no longer are we going to say it just to finish it off. We're saying it because we want Allah to respond to us. That's why you should read the Fatiha. Because we want that response. We're waiting for that response from Allah. That's why we're going to read Fatiha from now on. Before we used to do it because it's a wajib of the prayer or whatever. But now we're doing it because of that. Inshallah. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this easy for us. May Allah make it easy for us and open up the allow us to enter the door. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam wa tabarakti ya dal jalali wa ikram. Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan ya manna la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna minal zhalimeen. Ya ma'adin al-judi wal-karam ya akram al-akramin wa ya khayru al-mas'ulin wa ya khayru al-mu'teen. Ya Allah, have your mercy on us. Ya Allah, we ask you for your special mercies and your grace. We ask you for your generosity. Oh Allah, the month of Ramadan has finished. The shaitan is back out. Oh Allah, but your mercy continues. Your forgiveness continues. Oh Allah, your rahmah is still here. Oh Allah, do not deprive us of this month. Oh Allah, continue, allow us to continue with the good deeds we were doing. Allah, protect us. Keep us protected from the shaitan. And O oh Allah, allow us to overcome our nafs. O oh Allah, allow us to be protected and purified from all the blameworthy deeds, all blameworthy characteristics, all blameworthy character traits. O oh Allah, make our conduct good, our behavior good. O oh Allah, allow us to love the good things. And O oh Allah, allow us to turn away from the bad things. Make your worship and your devotion and your obedience beloved to us. And O oh Allah, make your disobedience hated to us. O oh Allah, this is difficult. We start off in the morning with a good intention, but we fail by the evening. We start in the evening and we fail by the morning. O oh Allah, this is a constant cycle. O oh Allah, we need your assistance. O oh Allah, we've seen in this world that when young children are learning to walk and when they get tired, their parents pick them up. O oh Allah, we ask that you also pick us up. And O oh Allah, that you protect us from the shaitan. O oh Allah, that you protect us from the shaitan. O oh Allah, this is our lifelong struggle. O oh Allah, we struggle against our nafs and we struggle against the shaitan. O oh Allah, allow this year now to be the best year that we've had of our lives. And O oh Allah, allow every subsequent year to be better. O oh Allah, accept all of our deeds from this Ramadan and do not allow us to waste those deeds and to delete all the blessings that we achieved in the month of Ramadan. Oh Allah, allow us to see many more Ramadans. Allow us to go to the Haramain. Oh Allah, remove this pandemic and the restrictions. And oh Allah, allow us to go to the Haramain. And oh Allah, allow us to prepare for our journey for our hereafter. Oh Allah, protect us and our progenies until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, bless all the people of these masajid. And oh Allah, oh Allah, assist them. And oh Allah, all the other masajid which are around, oh Allah, we ask that you protect them and you improve them and enhance them and you allow them to, re, to, uh, to uh, meet the challenges of today and provide the guidance. Oh Allah, any other masajid which are being founded, oh Allah, make all of the preparations easy for them. And oh Allah, those who establish these masajid, oh Allah, bless them even if they've departed from this world. And oh Allah, the rest of us here allows, allow them to do the work with ikhlas and sincerity. And O oh Allah, we ask you for guidance in our life so that we can become now contributors rather than just be consumers. O oh Allah, make us of those who, are, who provide good in this world, who provide good things in this world. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask you for acceptance for the service of your deen in some way, some way shape or form. O oh Allah, protect us from disputes and wrongs and harams and the wrong kind of intentions and O oh Allah, allow us to return from here being forgiven and being infused with your mercy and blessing. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifuna wa salamun al mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil
the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.